It's that time of year again, folks. We're 15 games into the season, and the Warriors, they look shaky. They're uninspiring. The vibes are not good. Anthony Lamb is off the team, which is great, but yeah, things are off for many, many reasons. And so I decided to change the intro music for this flagrant podcast because... I don't, I don't think I can play the ABC Finals music in good taste, you know? This team does not look like it's going to touch the finals right now. I don't think it's impossible for it to happen, but it's looking extremely, extremely unlikely. And as spoiled Warriors fans, you know, we have seen four championships in the past nine years, I believe. So that has unfortunately become sort of the standard but right now it doesn't totally look like it anyways big thank you to anybody tuning in thank you for tuning in to the flagrant and nba podcast that focuses on the golden state warriors my favorite team that i have watched since seventh grade religiously (laughs) so uh, i feel like a bit of an expert at times with just how things are going. I feel like I can read the vibe off of the screen. And I don't think I don't think the vibes are good right now. The vibes don't feel good. The main question I want to ask today is are the Warriors cooked? Are they done for good? Has the dynasty fallen before our eyes in the first 15 games of the season? And I'm going to give you five reasons that, you know, they are on the grill. The olive oil is sizzling. And I'm going to give you five reasons why the chicken might still be pink. And you need a meat thermometer to plug in to read how much, not Celsius, Fahrenheit it's at. you got to make sure it's cooked. Five reasons for cautious optimism. Five reasons why they are absolutely done. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to go with the bad news first. I googled, do people like bad news or do they like good news first? And the result was that 73% of people said that they like bad news first. So I'm going to give you the bad news about the Golden State Warriors. And the number one I have on this list is Steph's on-off rating, which is at negative 1.1. So that means when Steph is on the floor right now, so far this season, in their first 15 games where they are 7-8, and eight, kind of a rocky start, they are actually worse when Steph Curry's on the court. They're, it's only one point worse. But I just wanted to give some context for this. In 2015, Steph's on-off rating was fourth best in the league at 16.3, meaning the Warriors were on average 16.3 points better than their opponent when he was on the court. Then in 2016, the 73-win year, he was at 21.3, which was second. Draymond Green actually had the number one spot in 2016. 2017, his on-off rating was 17.6. 2018, 13.0. 2022, their most recent championship, 13.0. And even in last year's just terrible, terrible season, 2023, by their standards, I mean, yes, they made the playoffs, but, you know, if you watched that season, the vibes were terrible. 2023, it was at 8.8. Um, and right now it's at negative 1.1, and that just tells me they're not playing Steph Curry basketball. 
and Steph Curry basketball is Warriors basketball. If Steph isn't a huge positive on the court, this team is not going to go anywhere. You have to be playing through him effectively. He's the best player by far. (laughs) And I really mean by far. I watch this team, and sometimes I think Moses Moody is our second best shot creator. And we're going to get to Moses Moody later because he's been playing great and deserves more playing time. But that really says something because Moses Moody is a nice, fine player. He's looking to be on an upward trajectory, being a super positive wing in the NBA. And I really believe in him. I think we might even share the same birthday. Shout out to you, Moses. I can't believe we're the, like, I think we might actually be the same age, which is ridiculous. Um, But uh, he shouldn't be looking like the second best offensive player some nights, you know, in his like 15 minutes a game. Anyway, I say that to make the point that Steph Curry is by far the best player on this team, especially on the offensive end. He is still a monster, man. I mean, he's a monster. And we're not, it's not translating. And the biggest reason for this, what popped up for me when I looked at on-off rating for the Warriors, is the number one guy was Chris Paul. Chris Paul is a plus 14.5. So when Chris Paul's been on the court this year, we are 14 points better than our opponent. And that's usually the Steph number we're looking at. And Chris Paul has played really great. I think he's done kind of what we expected him to do. You know, he came in. He's a great facilitator. Kaminga looks better when he's on the court. Moody looks better when Chris Paul shares the court with them. He leads a bench unit that can actually hold a lead or at least trade baskets with the other side. Our bench has been really strong this year, which is great. I mean, if you told me before the season started that our bench was going to look like one of the best ones in the league, I would have thought that we would be top three in the West at least at this point 15 games in. I know it's still early where standings are still really shaken out, but I would have thought with this strong of a bench, we'd have a better record. So... Of course, there's caveats to that. I mean, we literally had one of our players chokehold someone and get suspended for five games, Draymond. Um, But yeah, I think if Chris Paul is a 14.5, I think some of that means, one, he's fitting in really well. But I also think it means that we're playing a little bit of Chris Paul basketball. That's something I heard on another podcast called uh, Light Years. So shout out to them for the idea. But it makes sense. When I watch Chris Paul on the court, he'll often catch the ball and just hold it, not even dribble it for maybe three, four seconds, you know? And that's not something we have seen in a while. If you watched that Rockets game, there was a possession in the first quarter where I think the ball was passed around seven, eight times, and it led to an open three, and it was cashed in. And the commentators, uh, Fitzgerald, of course, and Kalena, chimed in. They're like, that looks like Warriors basketball. Because it's just people flying around, moving, passing, passing. I mean, that's why this team has been so fun to watch for close to a decade, is the ball movement, getting everybody involved. And then, of course, absolutely ridiculous shooting that no normal human can recreate, no matter how many shots you take in the backyard. Speaking for myself, at least there. So... I think we need to see more of that. I think Chris Paul is doing a great job, but I'd like to maybe see him slow it down in the bench unit, but not with the starters. I think it's hurting the starters to play in such a different way. So that's reason number one. 
we're not really playing Steph Curry basketball. It doesn't feel like. And Chris Paul has been a total positive, but I'm worried that he's slowing us down a little bit. My reason number two, this will come. I don't think this is really a hot take right now, but I think Clay Thompson needs to play closer to 25 minutes a night than 32. He has not been very good. I'm not worried about his shot. The shot will come, but I am worried about when he decides to take the shot. I was looking at some stats yesterday, and this uh, NBA website called Cleaning the Glass uh, is able to evaluate people's field goal percentage based on how open they are. And I was looking at Clay's numbers, and when Clay is covered where he's wide open, he is shooting 53% on threes. So that means a defender is more than six feet away from him. He is completely open. You know, no one's around him. He's shooting 53%. Then when he's open, four to six feet away, he's only shooting 18%, which of course is terrible. <laughs> I mean, that goes without saying. They're terrible. And then in a tight window, two to four feet, he's shooting 52% again. It doesn't really make sense. It doesn't check out. So... When he's tightly covered, he's shooting well. When he's open, he's shooting terribly. But when he's wide open, he's shooting great. And looking at that stat, the images that were coming to my mind were off balance, running in transition shots early in the shot clock, where maybe we get a stop and where maybe, you know, a three pointer takes the lead or a three pointer cuts the lead to 10, or the three ball seems like the ultimate weapon here to get us back in the game and clay will often call it on himself to take a leaning three something off the dribble something that's not completely stationary you know and even though he's open it still doesn't seem to be a good shot for him right now i don't know if it's him still having to kind of get his legs back as someone who's an older player maybe it takes longer to get into in-season rhythm i could see this take of mine looking really stupid in another 15 games and clay is shooting back to his normal 38, 40% on open four to six feet shots. So that's something that could totally happen. And this is me overanalyzing the first 15 games. But if you've been watching, I mean, I'm trying to remember what game it was, but we were in the game and we were probably down 13 and Clay pulled up from like almost half to try to cut it to 10 and it did not look good. I'm seeing his shots airball and hit side rim a lot when he's moving. So that means to me, maybe Clay's, uh, you know, his minute should actually be shortened to around 25. I think something to allow other people to get playing time. Cause right now he's just a vacuum. You give him the ball. You can see him thinking in his head, like, Oh no, I got to make this. Like I have to take this shot. He's maybe the easiest player to watch when you're on the couch. Sometimes I do this. I like to say this. Someone hits a shot, you go, oh, he's taking the next one. With Clay, it can literally be <laughs> one three or just like one mid-range pull-up. And then it's him taking another one, the next trot down. It's like, dude, maybe you got to wait a little bit longer to say you're on fire. You know, it's not 2016. It's not 2017. Uh, so, you know, I empathize because, I mean, Clay has done so much for this organization. He had two terrible leg injuries. He was the spirit of the team for so long, part of the big three. Everyone loves Clay. I'm sure everyone still loves Clay in the locker room, but it's frustrating to watch. And I think if we're 
actually going to find a solution. I think it's going to come from Clay reducing his role on his own a little bit. Okay, reason number three of why the Warriors might be cooked. I just kind of talked about this earlier, but Moses Moody is at 17 minutes a game, which ranks ninth on the team. And I think he deserves at least 22 minutes plus a night. I mean, I see Moses Moody do many things driving to the rim where I'm like, I don't, at least, I mean, Wiggins has come around recently, but I did not see Wiggins or Clay doing at all in the beginning. He's more athletic than Clay. He's not an athlete, you know. He's not like labeled as an athlete, but he's a lot more athletic than Clay at 21 years old. He can move a little quicker. He gives he he really cares on defense, you know. You watch him, he blew up that uh that SGA handoff, I think. I think SGA had the ball. He came over, covered him quick, got a quick layup and I just don't think I've seen Clay have a steal like that all year on someone else, you know. Not to keep bringing Clay into this, but somebody's minutes have to go. I'm okay with reducing Wiggins minutes, Clay's minutes, really anybody's minutes <laughs> to get Moses Moody on the floor more because he's dependable, trusted, makes winning plays, and he has a respectable three ball. I think he's shooting 34%. He was shooting 40 plus percent for a while in the beginning, but when he takes it, I expect it to go in. Whereas some players might shoot it well, but you still, when you're watching them, you're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Like Gary Payton, unless he's taking a three from the corner, I don't expect it to go in. And I know he shot 40% that year we won the championship in 2022. Um, so, anywho, moving on. Another moment that just felt like, man, what's going on is we had Steph, and we'll get to the fight, the Draymond Green fight in a little bit. But Steph Curry was out against the Timberwolves at home. Then Clay and Draymond get ejected in that tussle, in that choking, <laughs> that chokehold that Draymond Green put Rudy Gobert in. And I don't believe I saw Moses Moody off the bench until the second quarter. And Podjemski came off the bench, our rookie guard, and he looked great. He played well. He made winning plays. He had a couple lucky bank shots, but you know he was creating more than we'd seen from a lot of other guards off the bench. And after the game, Kerr had this whole Pajemski love fest where he was like, Pajemski's got to play every night at least 15 minutes a night. And in my head, I was thinking, man, he's good. I like that. I like that we're playing young players more. But... Can we get Moses Moody out there, please? Why was Corey Joseph in the game? Why would Corey Joseph touch the floor? We need Moses Moody to be a contributing piece. If this team's going to go past the first round this year, Moses Moody is going to have to be a viable defender and you know shooter. He's going to have to be a great 3 and D wing for the playoffs. And right now, I think he's good. But giving him more minutes gives him the chance to be great for this Warriors team. And I just don't see Kerr prioritizing that. So that was upsetting. Um, and also, you know, young players succeeding aids our vets' health. So if Moses Moody builds to playing 22, 23, 25 reliable minutes a night, that can keep Clay's legs a little bit more fresh. And maybe he can shoot better than 18% from three um, when he's open four to six feet away. So... I just think Moses Moody's got to play more. He's nice, dude. He's great. He's a great player. All right. So now 
Let's get into reason number four. I think Steve Kerr is too loyal to his veterans. I think he's too loyal to Steph, to Clay, to Draymond. Maybe not too loyal to Steph, but I think Clay averaging 29 minutes per game, the second most on the team this far into the season, without any check from Kerr about minutes, I just think it shows that he might not be the coach for the job anymore, is what I actually think. I mean, you think about Bob Myers leaving because it seems like in a large part, he did not want to be a part of the Clay Thompson contract negotiations. He did not want to have to be the guy to potentially sit down, Draymond, Clay, Looney, these core guys he's coached, or not coached, managed forever, and say, hey, sorry, you're old, you're not producing like you used to, and we are not going to be able to re-sign you. And I think the same thing's happening to Steve Kerr right now. He he doesn't know how to coach when he has to maybe make it so Clay comes off the bench. I mean, Clay, if Clay came off the bench and was happy coming off the bench, this team would be significantly better. I don't exactly expect Clay to do that himself. I mean, he's what, five-time All-Star, four-time All-Star? He's made all in all NBA, four championships. You have to have a lot of pride to get there, you know? But if you're one of the young guys on the team, how can you not feel overlooked? If I'm Moses Moody, and I think he's handling this really well, I'm thinking, why am I not on the court, man? Steve, put me in the game. Because I am doing so much more on defense than this guy, Clay, we are playing 30 minutes a night. I mean, I've seen Clay looking for shots in the air when the ball is still on the floor. <laughs> I saw that in the Rockets game. Shangun pump faked a three, and then he drove, and Clay turned around and he pointed his eyes to the sky. He was looking for the ball in the air. He's just checked out a little bit on that end. And I just think it's tough. There was an interesting quote from Tyrese Halliburton recently on uh, the J.J. Redick podcast that he said, essentially, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, it's tough to be on a team where veterans think they have more in the tank and you have young guys who want to prove something early in their career. And that defines the Warriors. We have veterans who think they have more in the tank, Steph, Clay, Draymond, Wiggins, Looney, <laughs> it goes on. And you have young guys who want opportunity and think they're good enough to play. Kaminga, Moody, Pajemski. I mean, Trace Jackson Davis has looked great. So it's just tough, man. It's tough. And then I also think Steve Kerr coming out after the Draymond Green fight, the chokehold he had on Rudy Gobert. I mean, the fact that you can just say that, like it's whatever, is also a huge thing. Draymond Green's my fifth reason on here, so we're getting to him. But the fact that he came out and said, oh, well, Draymond was just defending his guy, Clay Thompson, because Rudy Gobert got in between the fight and whatnot, I, I don't – I would like to see more from my coach. I would like the coach of the team to say something that holds Draymond more accountable for an overreaction like that because it hurts the team ultimately too. Draymond Green is by far our best defender. He is our defense. You know, Steph and Draymond are synonymous. The two of them both need to be on the court together to see a lot of success. 
And it's just tough, man. It's tough to watch. Steve Kerr did come out a couple days later and say, hey, what Draymond Green did was inexcusable and it went too far. So maybe you can give give Steve the benefit of the doubt there that, you know, he went back in, watched the replays after the game and saw, oh, okay, I was wrong. Draymond was actually really in the wrong for this. So, I mean, that dude just needs help. And reason number five I have on this list is Draymond Green is exhausting as a Warriors fan. I'm going to preface this segment with Draymond Green is one of the best defenders I have ever seen on a basketball court. He's a four-time champion. He's been Defensive Player of the Year. He's made four All-Star teams. He's made All-NBA a couple times. That's really, really hard to do in the NBA. And he was drafted as the 35th pick. He's been incredible for the Warriors. But I think it's time to move on. I think it's been time to move on. I don't think it should be a question. I don't think moments like these do not make your team look good. The Jordan Poole dispute, the Sabonis stomp, now this with Rudy Gobert. Even before the Rudy Gobert chokehold, he had sort of chicken-winged Donovan Mitchell with an elbow, and then Donovan Mitchell got in his face, and then he got thrown out of the game. And that one was much less his fault than any of the others, but it's his reputation that gets him thrown out of the game repeatedly. And if he keeps doing this and he's just showing that he's not really learning how to control his temper, I just don't want that guy on my team. I don't. Not as a fan. I think he's an incredible basketball player, but I think the temper he has is something that is just officially grown way too thin. I wanted him traded after the whole Jordan Poole thing last year. And I was thinking about this. If, you know, you see like presidential approval ratings, like Biden's at Biden's at 38% right now. It's really not looking good for Biden. Uh, Draymond Green. What is Draymond Green's approval rating? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's got to be 40%, maybe less for Warriors fans. Maybe it's higher. Maybe I'm on the pessimistic side, but I, I don't know. I'm not in approval of Draymond Green over the past two, three years. So I think also just for him, I just don't know. He comes in and says the right things to take accountability, but there's just been repeated moments like this where he's out, gets suspended, technicals. He's always up there in technicals by the end of the year. And it's just tough, man. You know, he says... And other people say that Draymond Green's competitiveness has to come with acting like a maniac sometimes. And I think that's an excuse for not working on yourself. People can change. I believe people can change. I hope I can change. If you told me people can't change, then I'd be worried. I've got, I've got a lot of habits that I want to change, you know? And Draymond Green saying, you know, that's just how I am. And the other people in the Warriors organization saying, oh, well, that's just Draymond when he goes and chokes out Rudy Gobert, who he already really didn't like. <laughs> you can look at their history if you want to. I mean, yes, you can. You can be competitive without acting like a maniac. It's just something that takes working on. Um, I mean, I could go into my own things. I play, sometimes I'll just be playing pickup basketball and then I'll start taking it way too seriously. So, I mean, that's a completely different thing. 
But I get that people can lose it sometimes. It's just that when you lose it, you're choking somebody out. That's insane, man. That shouldn't be tolerated. So, yeah, that's reason number five on why the Warriors are are officially cooked. Now I'm going to get to cautious optimism. The chicken is still pink. Number one. I'm going to change the the vibe of this podcast has been very doomer. But I wanted to force myself to look at reasons for optimism for the season. Steph Curry is still elite. He is, at the very least, a top eight, top seven player in the league. You know, I'm a Warriors fan, so I'm biased. I have him higher. That's where I have him. But he's at least there, and you need someone in that top upper echelon of the NBA to win a championship. So they already have that. He's averaging 30 points on 48% from the field, 45% from three, 93% from the free throw line, five rebounds, four assists. I mean, that's incredible. The dude is 36. Or is he turning 36? He's 35, 36 years old. That's unheard of for a point guard. Uh, And also, I mean, as much as I, as much time as I just aired out on Draymond, if I'm forced into cautious optimism mode, Draymond looks like he's getting to where he has been, at least in the 2022 championship season on defense. The guy's incredible, man. The guy is incredible. He's really, really just one of the best defenders in the league still. Can still switch on to Jokic, do a good job if you ask him to. He plays well on bigs. He can still defend wings really well. I mean, I think he's a little slower for guards now too, but if you putting Draymond Green on a Luka Doncic, or a Jokic, you know, these are players that you're probably going to face in the playoffs, and he's able to defend them well. So those are two big things. You've got your anchor on defense, who's elite, and you have the guy on offense, who is elite. So that really helps their case. Also, reason number two, we have had bad matchups so far. Six of our eight losses have come against the following teams, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are all young, athletic teams with at least one supreme scoring guard. On the Cavs, you've got quick guys like Mitchell and Garland, and then you have Jarrett Allen and Evan Mobley. I mean, they they looked like world beaters against us because that is just tall height in the paint, big dudes who can block shots, bad for us. Super quick young guards on offense, Bad for our old team and our old starters. So, yeah, those were terrible matchups against the Cavs. Thunder, much of the same story. They don't exactly have a Jared Allen down low, but they do have Chet Holmgren now, and they also are extremely quick, and their wings can all drive and kick. And then the Timberwolves, same deal. Super big, athletic team, and they've got Anthony Edwards, who, I mean, no one can guard Anthony Edwards right now. They've been super fun to watch. I didn't check the standings today but they were a top of the west just now so props to them so maybe this is just a bad matchups thing if we had other teams maybe we're able to be looking at what a nine and six record right now a ten and five record you never know number three there is roster flexibility and this is the only one i gotta say that i truly believe in if the season's gonna turn around if Mike Dunleavy Jr. has it in him, he has Chris Paul on a $30 million expiring deal. He has Klay Thompson on a $40 million expiring contract. 
He's got Moses Moody, Kaminga, Wiggins, who are tradable wings, who people are always looking up or looking to trade for a good wing contenders. And then you have Draymond at $25 million, which is a bargain deal for his production on the defensive end right now still. Not a bargain, maybe, but $5 million less than what he could probably get. So I think all those people could be traded, and we could totally shake up the roster and try to do what the Lakers did last year. I was going to say what the Cavs did in 2018, where, oh man, that was a crazy roster with like Derrick Rose, Dwayne Wade, Isaiah Thomas, and then they all got traded for like Jordan Clarkson. And was, did Jeff Green come in the trade? I don't know. Jeff Green was like the second best player on that team. Anyway, roster flexibility. We have it for the first time in a while. Number four, Wiggins and CP3's shots are back. They were both at under 20% from three to start the season for a while, and they're hitting shots now. Wiggins had that breakout game against OKC, 30-plus points, 12 for 19, hit what should have been the dagger three. But it's really good to see their shot making come back because that means that they can counter teams that are bigger. I mean, CP3 is a good three-point shooter. When I watched him play the Warriors a bunch when he was on the Clippers, so four games a year, you know, benefiting health, which usually didn't happen, he was knocked down 40%, it felt like. Maybe he was just under there, 38%. But the, the dude, if I played with him in 2K, I was taking so many threes. He's a great three-point shooter, and I hope that comes back. It looks to be coming back, so that's good. And then take number five. For why the chicken is still pink. Warriors are not cooked. There is maybe a way you could look at this. Where Kerr came out and said he's being patient with Wiggins and Clay because they're champions. And I understand a coach doing that. Because these guys have done so much for him over his career. He probably feels like he owes it to them. To live, give them a long leash and let them figure it out. And maybe he's waiting for Clay Thompson to keep stinking it up and go internally and say to himself, you know what? I'm officially pretty old. I'm still pretty great for my age. If I reduce my role to 20 minutes a night, we are going to be so much better of a basketball team. And then go to Steve Kerr and say, hey, I want you to start Moses Moody. I want you to start somebody else. In the two spot, I will come off the bench. I think it's the best move. So maybe Kerr is waiting for Clay to do that because he doesn't feel like it's his right to do it himself. And I wouldn't blame him for that. And maybe that will happen. Maybe Clay and maybe even Wiggins, if he continues, he goes on another slump, which I hope not, knock on wood, will look for other guys to replace them on the team and hopefully have a more stable starting lineup because right now the starting lineup is pretty bad. All right, that sums it up. Those were my 10 takes, five negative, five positive. Haven't done this in a while, so it feels good to get another episode out. Um, if you listened, I mean, feel free to let me know whatever you would like from this podcast, especially if you're a Warriors fan. Do you think there's other things I should cover did I miss anything here? Let me know. You can let me know at SJ Radio on Instagram. That is a zero at the end at SJ Radio. Or I think there's a comment section on the Spotify podcast.
podcasts. So do whatever you want with that. Thank you so much for listening. Go Warriors. I'm kind of exhausted of them, though, to be honest. I mean, you can probably tell from my tone of this episode, a lot more time was spent on the five reasons for doubt than the five reasons for optimism. I was pessimistic going into the year, and right now I still see us finishing as the sixth seed, uh, like last year. So I hope I'm wrong, though, man. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Anywho, hope you guys are having good Thanksgiving weeks. Thanks for listening, and I'll hop on this again maybe 15 games later, game 30. I kind of like doing the big takeaways, so we'll see. We shall see. All right. Have a good day, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you.